All right, we're with uh, Gary Smith, trainer for Twin Cities Orthopedic, Twin Cities Orthopedics. He is going into the Minnesota State High School League Hall of Fame on Sunday. Gary is maybe well, most well known for his uh, role as the trainer for the 1980 Olympic team. Gary, was there any time you thought that gold medal was going to come to the U.S.? No, I don't think uh, there ever was a time uh, that uh, you know, we felt confident that it was going to. We, we were just hoping that we could uh, get in a position where we could medal. And uh, uh, then we upset the Russians, and uh, then the, uh, the final was against Finland, which is a lot of people didn't... Uh, the Russian game was such a big uh, victory that the uh, Finnish game uh, uh, seemed to be uh, kind of anticlimactic. But we were behind going into the third period of that game, and uh, uh, if we hadn't won that game, or even a tie wouldn't have got us a medal. So I don't think there was any time when you really felt confident that we were going to win a medal. What about when the Russians beat? the U.S. in the exhibition game, did you think it was all over then? Uh, you know, I really did. Uh, the, uh, the, the score was 10 to 3, and uh, there, were, there were goals that I'd never seen in my life. Uh, there, were, there was one Russian who did a 360 like a figure skater and then popped the puck in the net. And I think in the third period I went down and... Uh, I said to Herbie, I said, Herbie, we don't have a chance against these guys. And he said, uh, no, uh, no crap, he said. And <laughs> I, uh, uh, I, don't think, uh, I don't think he was disappointed that they beat us so bad because uh, Herbie was always, uh, you know, he was a psychology major in college, and he was always playing mind games with players and uh, trying to motivate them in different ways. And I think... Uh, the Russians uh, were a little overconfident when they did play us in, in Lake Placid, and I don't think that that upset Herbie at all. But uh, they definitely were more talented than we were, uh, uh, and they, they, they'd been doing it a long time, basically on a professional level in Russia, and it was their main job. And we took a bunch of college kids and played them, and... Uh, so it really, uh, uh, it really was an upset, but I don't think Herbie was too, too down about uh, uh, getting beat by him because I think psychologically he thought that they were going to come in very, uh, very confident that they could name the score against us. Now, when they did win the gold medal, you know, you were in Lake Placid, which is you know just a teeny little city. How, it was obviously big there. How big did it turn into being when you got to go to the White House? Well, uh, Lake Placid is really a small little mountain town in, uh, in the Adirondacks, and uh, the arena didn't even hold 10,000 people. And, uh, I mean, we could walk the main street of Lake Placid, and people would pat us on the back, and... I don't think you'd ever be able to do that nowadays in the Olympics. And uh, we, uh, we celebrated at a private function at some house out in the woods. 
And then we got on the plane at 4 a.m. in the morning in Air Force Two, which was the vice president's uh, plane, and uh, we flew to Washington to meet the president and, uh, and landed at Andrews Air Force Base. And we got on yellow school buses to ride to the White House. And when we left the, the Air Force Base, the, the streets were lined with people. And uh, it was kind of now coming, reality was hitting us that, boy, there are a lot of people outside of the Lake Placid area that were following these games and cheering us on and, uh, and really, uh, uh, supporting us that we didn't know anything about, and uh, and so we went to the White House and they they fed us a meal, but the meal you had to eat standing up because it was much easier for the uh, security uh, details to to kind of mingle around in the rooms and stuff and uh, uh, keep keep make sure that there wasn't anything going on or protect us or whatever that's what i was told why we didn't sit down but uh it was uh that was quite a, a shock to one night winning it and then the next night you're at the white house and then a few hours later you're you're back getting off a plane in minneapolis and it's like 20 below zero it's really cold and there were thousands of people out at the airport uh uh, to meet to greet us too. So once you got out of your little cocoon in Lake Placid, it became, uh, you know, kind of not shocking, but yet uh, that this is something that really affected the, the the whole world. Now, how how did it happen that you got to be the trainer for the Olympic team? Well, I, I had worked with Herbie at the University of Minnesota, and him and I got along pretty good. And and coaches in, in, in coaches in the professional ranks and in colleges, they uh, they're basically paranoid people. They want they want to be surrounded by people they trust, and they don't want they don't want people that they're not familiar with because they they look at them as uh, locker room snitches and telling people in the administration of what's going on and everything else. So Herbie asked me if I wanted to go to the Olympics uh, with the hockey team because he was going to be the name the coach. And I said, well, Herbie, that's, that's really not the way you, uh, you get picked to be a, uh, a trainer in the Olympics. You have to volunteer your time at your expense at the uh, Olympic training centers and then the people at those centers, they kind of check you out and see if you're, uh, you know, what you're doing and that you're an all right person. And, and then, the, then you're allowed to be put on lists that you might be asked to go to a Pan American Games or an Olympic Games or some international uh, competition that, uh, that the United States is involved in. But it also allows them to staff the training centers without having to pay people to come. And uh, uh, the USOC out in Colorado Springs, they, they wouldn't let me come out. They had no time. They were full up, and so I couldn't go out there and volunteer my time. And so I got a little concerned in December and January and, and told Herbie and Craig, I, I said, you know, I'm a little uh, uncomfortable not, you know, uh, busting my fanny going all over the world uh, and then come to the Olympics and I get bumped out of it. 
and Herbie just kept saying, oh, don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. We'll take care of you. And uh, once we got to the Olympics, uh, there were four USOC trainers that were assigned to the United States Olympic team. And one of them was a guy that I knew who was the Colorado College uh, hockey trainer. And uh, we used to play them in the league uh, at the University of Minnesota. And so he shows up and... and uh, and he, he could volunteer at Colorado Springs because he lived there. He could go out there and put in his time anytime he wanted to. And Herbie told him it, uh, we didn't need him, we had a trainer. And, uh, but yet he, he was supposed to be there for the USOC. So he was around in the locker room and, and he would come on the bench, on the bench periodically. But uh, uh, I'm the guy who's got the ring and I'm the guy in the picture, but there was somebody else there that was also serving as a trainer for the Olympic uh, uh, hockey team. Hey Gary, Tom Shard from the Prior Lake American. How you doing? Good. I got a question. The movie Miracle. Yeah. When Herbie, and I, we were overseas and Herbie was skating the boys to death and Michael Ruzioni finally said I play for Team USA. Were you there yeah. and how, how, uh, how, was it was it was it pretty much like it was, or was the movie embellished a little bit? No, I don't remember that happening. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, when you when you do a movie like that, you sign a contract, and the 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 contract states that you they will they can uh, portray you as they see fit. And thank you very much. Here's your check. And so you know they they get very uh, they get very dramatic in some of those things. And uh, like the 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 fight between McClanahan and O'Callahan, O'Callahan, I I never remember that happening either. I uh, uh, but there was there definitely was a division between the uh, uh, between the Eastern guys and the Western guys and. Part of it led back to 1976 when uh, uh, when the Gophers played BU in uh, in the NCAA semifinals in Denver. Uh, we got into a, a big fight with uh, BU, and uh, uh, the their best player got thrown out of the game along with one of our players, Russ Anderson. And I was I was involved. It kind of started when one of their players spit on me, and I tried to punch him. But uh, uh, so they they knew who I was. But I you know and and Arusione and O'Callahan and Craig and uh, they were they were kind of cold toward me. Uh, you know for the six months we were together. And uh, I understand there's a book going to be coming out that Arusione's going to write. And he he told me last spring that. Uh, uh, he, I may not like what he says about me in the book, so I'm kind of anxious to see what that says. But, uh, you know, a lot of things in the movie uh, really, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure they happen, but yet it, it the, uh, uh, and they do that for the movie, so. And that may have been, you know, that may have been a little catchphrase that Herbie came up with, too. Because I've, I've heard that before, before the Olympics, I heard him say that at the university too. Uh, you're playing for that M on the front of your shirt, not the name on the back. Um. Now you you uh, 
worked for the, the Gophers and the Olympic team and the Flyers and the Kicks and the Buckskins and, and you've been at Eden Prairie for the last, I think, 21 years. What's changed since you've started back in 1969? Well, I think, I, I think all of the skills of being able to diagnose and evaluate injuries has in has really increased uh, with the with the with the imaging that we have with X-rays and MRIs and stuff like that. We can we can find out a lot of things that are uh, wrong uh, inside the body. The hard part is now now what do we do? Um, when I was in Philadelphia. Uh, you know, the minute somebody got hurt, within a few days they'd have an MRI. And uh, it might show a small tear in a meniscus in a knee. And, uh, you know, you get an agent involved and you get a player involved and you got the team doctors involved. And the hard part is trying to determine what you do about it. There are a lot of people walking around in the world with a torn meniscus that don't have any symptoms. And sometimes trying to fix that causes uh, as many problems as it helps. But I think being able to evaluate and uh, uh, being able to determine what the problems are in the human body has really gone uh, way out of the uh, realm of what it was uh, a few years ago. And uh, uh, some of the surgeries that they perform, they can perform through a scope which is a lot less invasive in causing problems uh, that have to heal in, in repairing uh, injuries that occur. So I think being able to determine what's wrong, but that creates another problem on what do we do then? Uh, sometimes, you, uh, sometimes you make it worse by uh, uh, operating on it, but yet at least you know what, uh, what is wrong and then trying to determine that. I think that that's a tremendous advancement in the world of, uh, of concussions and stuff, but we also were much more aware of some of the symptoms that we didn't pay that much attention to in years past are important things for us to be aware of when we evaluate whether a person has a concussion and how we treat it and uh, how long it's going to take before that person returns to normal and can safely go back and play, uh, play a sport. Now, as an athletic trainer, you told me a couple days ago about even something like dislocations. Were, did you always put things back where they belong as a trainer back you know, 50, 50 years ago, or were some of those things you got to go see the doctor? Well, until you develop a skill that you can put things back in place, uh, you know, you don't really, uh, uh, you don't try them. I didn't try them years and years ago. Now I will take a one or two attempts at trying to reduce a dislocated finger or a shoulder. Uh, I've, I've, the only dislocated knee I ever had was, uh, was 50 some years ago, and I, I don't think I would have, but uh, the quarterback over at Minnetonka uh, dislocated a knee in a game, and the uh, athletic trainer at Minnetonka put it back in place. And it, it's very important to try to get them back in place if possible because the person can be a lot uh, less pain and discomfort 
and you establish uh, a blood flow. Uh, like with, with a dislocated knee, you have the hazard of, uh, of disrupting blood to the lower leg, and if it doesn't get uh, rectified and put back in place as soon as possible, they, they could lose a limb. It doesn't happen very often, and I don't think it's ever been documented that somebody has, but in athletics, maybe in a car accident or something like that. But, uh, I mean, some, some shoulders that, uh, that go out a lot are very quite easy to get back in, but then what do you do to get them stronger again? Because you, you really can't make ligaments and capsule that surround the joint. You can't make it stronger because it, it doesn't have the ability to shorten and lengthen like a muscle does. So you try to make the muscles that work that joint stronger, and that helps uh, some of these dislocations uh, uh, hold up and, and uh, the kids can play with them, and then they make a determination later on whether they need to get them surgically uh, tightened up or not. Well, Gary, we uh, appreciate your time. We were talking with Gary Smith, the trainer for Twin Cities Orthopedics. He's been working at Eden Prairie High School since 1997. And we will uh, see you Wednesday night in St. Michael. Thanks, Gary. Okay, thank you. He's an interesting guy. He's got a lot of stories. I bet. Yeah, I'm reading about when he threw the punch in the 1976 thing right <laughs> against Boston. He's the... First trainer to be inducted into the he's Hall the of first, Fame. First trainer to be inducted in the Minnesota High School League Hall of Fame. And he said he started working state tournaments in the early 70s. And once, if you believe it, he was the only trainer to work. He worked a state tournament wrestling tournament by himself. I, I believe <laughs> it. But he's, he's, you know, been with the Gophers, been with the... 1980 Olympic team, the Philadelphia Flyers, Minnesota Kicks, Minnesota Thunder, Minnesota Buckskins. See a lot of, a lot of <laughs> things. See a lot of things at a lot of different levels. I didn't even know about that that Gopher, Gopher in Boston brawl '76. I had no idea. Sounds like a, it sounds like something I should put up on YouTube. <laughs> Old school hockey, right? It was only missing was the Carlson brothers. <laughs> they were oh, making, and, and they were making a movie at the time. When was Slapshot come out? Around that time, was it seventy nine, eighty? He also Gary also worked for the Minnesota Moose, which probably was fairly close to Slapshot. Right, uh, <laughs> I'm sure it was. Yeah, Slapshot. Well, I I I have a Slapshot was a. Uh, I, when I worked on the Iron Range and I worked up at the Virginia Masabi Daily News, we did Teams of the Century stories, and I, uh, I did, I did it with the Carlson brothers, one of them, and I got the old picture. They look like the guys in the movie. Well, Jack, Jack was on the North Star, so he wasn't in the movie, and it was Steve Carlson. I can't think of the other guy's name. The two other brothers were in it, and the Hanson brother from wherever he was south. And the coach talking to their old coach, and I remember him saying, "They didn't have to act. <laughs> That's who they were. That's exactly who they were. I mean, maybe not 
you know, violently on the ice like that, but they were oddballs, and he, so they didn't have to act. They did not have to act for those roles. They were just all crazy at all times. And then there's the stories that you hear in the Iron Age about the Carlson brothers, how they locked their former head coach in a game in the bathroom and then went out and they played the third period without the coach. He was locked into the locker room. I mean, there's all kinds of... They, they tell them at the bars up there on the Iron Range about the Carlson brothers and the coach. And, but apparently they were all nuts. <laughs> and Jack would have been in that movie, but he was with the North Stars. It would have been a brother show. Carl, Steve, I can't remember the other yeah, Not Tim, but... Yep. Well, we're at the final week of football. Well, when this podcast comes out, the season, the week eight will be played already. So week eight will be played, and Who, the seedings will be uh, complete. Predictions: Who's the four number one seeds in the class six A? Well, why is that as a lock? Lakeville, Lakeville, Lakeville South is a lock. Champlin's probably a lock. Champlin probably is a lock because there's they got one loss. I wonder if their one loss is the Centennial, though. Well, St. Michael has two losses. St. Michael's not going to be. And I think... Is it Tatino? If Tatino beat beat Creighton on Wednesday, they're a number one. If they don't, you could just draw it out of a hat. Because Moundsview would be 6-2, Woodbury 5-3, Creighton would be 5-3, probably be Moundsview by default. Creighton beats if Totino beats Creighton, they will be the number one out of the section four. If they don't, probably beat Mountain View. Now, last year there was a clear cut. Lakeville North was just better than everyone else. This year, there's not that great. That division is not that great, but still, it's 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 not going to come from the east. No, no. I mean. Lakeville South, the way they run the ball with that offense, and you know they've got the size to back that up, at least from what I saw. Big, strong. You never know where the ball's going. If you ever watch them on some of those prep spotlight videos, you never know where the ball's going. I mean, you got you got three guys in the backfield, and they take off, and one guy's got the ball, and the other two run like they got the ball. I mean, half the time I'm confused. The camera's been confused. I mean, it's that three wing, that wing T, whatever they're running. I think they're pretty impressive. North, I think. Well, they're gonna they're gonna go as far as Nelson takes them. Right. You know, I mean, he's such a talented player. And then and then Wyzetta, obviously, big, strong, physical Wyzetta that can run the football and control the clock. I mean, to me, those three teams are the favorite, and I wouldn't put Eden Prairie too far down there. I, I'm not gonna put St. Michael or Champlin Park up there. Um, I'm not gonna put. Centennial up there. I think those are the four best right there. Four, but I think there's I think there's two really good ones. I think South is really good, and I think Wyzetta is really good, and I think North and Eden Prairie are a slight notch below. And then after that, to me, it's wide open. Well, Eden Prairie was kind of scuffling along, and and they were impressive in their win over Prior Lake, and. Coach Mike Grant said we just played better, and then he also said that they switched a guard to defensive line, switched a fullback to linebacker, put a new safety in, went back to a quarterback. 
put a different line. I mean, they made they made I think eight really big changes, and even Mike said that those changes made us you know six or seven position. We're better there. Right. And I mean that's, but that's what teams do at the end of the season. Whether they do it by changing out or, you know, now you can go have players playing both ways a little easier. You don't you can't do that all year, but you can do it for the playoffs. If you're doing it all year, you're gonna they're gonna see some wear and tear, especially if you play a tough schedule. You might not see it over there in suburban East. <laughs> <laughs> but it all comes down to is it the how does the high school league decide the crossovers? Is it a draw of a hat? Is well, it? Well, Prior Lake will argue they don't they don't decide anything because they've gotten the they've been uh, paired up with Blaine three years in a row in the second round. I mean, I thought it was supposed to be rotating or something. They've never had. Three years in a row, they've had Blaine, Blaine, and Blaine. Twice as the 4-1, and once they were the 1, and Blaine was the 4. So. Well, it seemed like when they had, you know, it was, we called them crossovers. Now it seems like it's a little different when they have a regular, kind of a big board, big bracket. Yeah, the only thing you can't do is you can't match up with teams in, in your, your section. Well, the, the, the website, they have six scenarios of the Class 6A bracket. How they pick those, I don't know. I don't know how they pick they them. They don't either. really explain. How I don't they. think they know how to pick them either. So, all you want is you want to play the Tatino Gray section. Yeah, I mean, if in you're the second round, if you're the one, if you're the six seed, or if you're a four or five, you're hoping you get the well, Tatino Grace one. That's who. That I mean, that's the goal. That's the ticket. That's what the shock mini diet they play. They're playing most likely for the three or four seed. Whoever loses is the four seed. You know, if they get the four seed and they get matched up with the one seed from whatever section is that section three up there, Tatino Grays, you have a much better chance in matching up with Lakeville South in the next round. Yeah, I mean, if you're shock and you're the four, you're going to get a five. That means you're probably going to get Farmington, White Bear Lake, and and... Forest Lake, I mean something like that. And then, but the, you want what you want is then you want that second rounder not at Wise. Well, you can't be at Wise. You don't want it at Lakeville South. You'd prefer Champlin Park to Lakeville South, and then you'd ultimately want the one over there if it's Moundsview or Tatina Grace. That's the golden ticket. They all it's all, it's half of the state term is decided tomorrow morning at ten or ten a.m. on Thursday morning. Who's the draw? Who gets those ones? Who gets what what's what three seed gets to play Moundsview as the two? Right. You know. I think Udaya and Shakopee would jump at that chance to play. And one of them is going to get that opportunity. The other one, the other the three seed, if it's Edina or Shakopee, if one of them gets to paired up with the Moundsviews as the two, well, the other one's going somewhere else then. Right. He's going. They're going up to Champlin as the four, or they're going to Lakeville South. You know, we're going out the opposite of Lakeville South. Well, is there anything that can happen? I mean, that that one, Chuck, Peony, Dinah could flip because they play each other tonight, but is there anything Well, you don't else? think Hopkins at 6-2 and two can jump up there to 3, play a 5A schedule? No. Well, according to what you told me. I, when I was talking to Mike Grant on Sunday, he said that Minnetonka at 0-8 would be the 5. Really? 
Because of the schedule. Because of the schedule. And he says, who would you, I mean, if you were a number one, who would you rather play? Yeah. It'd be it a two. We just talked about it. Yeah, I agree. Two, it'd be the two seed, but because they're only seven, but yeah, who would you rather play? I wouldn't want to play Minnetonka. If Minnetonka beat, is, beats Prior Lake, beat Prior Lake on Wednesday, then Minnetonka should be the five. Five. But... Uh, yeah, an zero and eight, and you're the seven seed, and you're the and you're Lakeville North, and you're the two seed, and you got to go. The first game is against Minnetonka instead of Buffalo, Buffalo, or you know some other sec- seven seed from the other sections. Whoever would be Anoka, Burnsville. I mean, well, Burnsville's in that section, but yeah, Buffalo or Roseville or something like that. I mean, or Minnetonka. What would you rather have? Minnetonka, I mean, is zero seven. They have they played. They only lost to a touchdown to Edina last week. It was fourteen to seven. Saint Michael or Moundsview beat them and needed a the goal. They went on like a ninety yard drive to kick a field goal late in the game. Shockley beat them by one score. Eden Prairie beat them nineteen nothing. It wasn't a blowout. Eastview beat them by one score. Well, right? Minnetonka never crossed the fifty. <laughs> you know, Eastview Eastview somehow won on a last second pass that was more of a ball dropping out of the sky. <laughs> so, I mean, they could easily have three wins going th- into the night. Do you think Hopkins at, say, they're 6-2, and two, are they arguing for a five seed, or do they know they're are they arguing lot for, in life? Well, the thing... If they argue for anything higher than a five... The thing, the thing is, why do they... They choose to play a 5A schedule, so they're they're... Right against the eight ball, right at the beginning of the season. They know they're, even if they go eight and all, they're most likely not even going to get a home playoff game just because of the schedule they played. So, oh, I don't know why they choose to do that and why it's, I don't know, weird. Weird why they do that. I, I think not only is it weird why they do it, it's weird that they can do it. Right. I, I, I think if Minnetonka loses in their 0 and 8, I think they're going to be the sixth seed. I think Buffalo will be the seven. I think Minnetonka at six and two will somehow slide in there to the six. I think Buffalo's get eight. I think they're locked into the eight. What, they have two wins? Buffalo? Buffalo, I don't know. I think they're locked in. I think Buffalo's the last seed, the seventh seed. I mean, they weren't they the ones just livid last year when they got the five and had to go to Prior Lake when they thought they were going to be the two or something at what were they what were they sets were they six and two last year or seven and one going into that I don't even think they were that good but yeah they were, so, they, were they had a winning record and scoring 60 points a game and giving up 60 giving points up, a game giving up 59 <laughs> yeah that's not going to get it done so I think uh, what do you do Who do you think will be the um, uh, the buy? Do you think it should automatically go to the best team, or do you think it should be random draw? I can't believe we have to talk about a buy out of thirty-two team, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, who got it last year? I think Eden Prairie got it last I year. I think Eden Prairie got it last year. They should have got it year before. I think Lakeville North got it, or no, Creighton got it the year before. Creighton did. I think so. Do you want the buy? I don't think you do want no, the buy because they already you have the 
it's ten days off from the Wednesday to the Friday game, so that'd be almost seventeen days off from your last regular season game to the next playoff game. But you talk to coaches in other sports, nobody wants a buy. You know, they would rather, you know, get your starters in or get even even uh, the younger players that maybe have never played in the playoffs and get them a taste of it. Well, I can see in a lower level, like Class 5A and 4A, when you play Wednesday and then Tuesday, that's a quick turnaround, especially if you go Friday, Wednesday, Tuesday, you're playing three games in two weeks. I can see why you get that first round by, but... Not in six animals, really, because like I said, you're off 17 days from your last regular season game to your first playoff game if you get that one bye. It's a long time. Should we talk about 5A or does that matter? Where's Prior Lake going to be seated with their... That's a good... I mean, if they win, if they beat Minnetonka, I think they're going to be the three because of the They'll stretch. They'll be 4-4 four four or... 4-4, four four, even though Rosemont will be 5-3 and three, and Farmington will be 5-3, and three, I think they'll be ahead of both of those. Based on schedule, and based on their win against Rosemont, but if they happen to mess up and lose, well, if they lose to a Minnetonka, and they go three and five, they'll be a five seed. They will be the five. Farmington will be the four. Rosemont will be the three. Rosemont will fight to death to be the the three anyway over Prior Lake, but I I just don't see it with the four and four and Rosemont. Rosemont needed to beat Champlin Park. If Rosemont would have beat Champlain Park, I think they lost seventeen and fourteen. They would have been, they would have been the three if they would have just won tonight or Wednesday night. But they blew that. They 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 had their chance there to beat a good team. Other than who, they do have the win over Lakeville South, but that's their that's their only good win. Who wants to play a five seeded Prior Lake though, or even a five seeded Rosemont? You like, well. Eden Prairie just beat them 35 to nothing. I think they would like to play. <laughs> Prior Lake, yeah, I mean, if you're Prior Lake and you're the you're the five, I don't think they're going to be the four. I mean, what, if they're the five, that means they're going to go to... Well, if Prior Lake gets the five, see, so it could be a four or five. They could be Shockabee. Yeah, it could be, be Prior Lake five, Shockabee. Prior Lake at Shockabee. Prior Lake would be, or Prior Lake at Maple Grove. Maple Grove would be the they're solidly into the four. Up there, and the four probably would be down, and the other would be. I mean, you can't even get. I mean, that Woodbury, Woodbury maybe Eastridge, one of those two. And then you'd have to go and get the one where you'd be either at Wyzetta, you'd be either at Champlin, or you'd be at um, Totino. Totino. Which is where you're. There's the road for Prior Lake. There's the road. Prior Lake just says, "Oh, we'll take the five, and we'll be, we'll go play." Uh, Shockby. We'll go play, no, we'll play um, Maple Grove and then head over and play, uh, you know, Tatino. <laughs> and they'll pat themselves on the back, you know, after they win those two games. I mean, Prior Lake's probably the, I don't want to say they're a disappointment because they've won, because they've, they have played a very strong schedule. But they weren't competitive last week against Eden Prairie at all. Well, if they don't get those penalties against Wyzetta. They weren't competitive, really. I don't think they... I mean, they they got handled by Lakeville South pretty easily. They were they were one pass away from losing to Shakopee. They were also one penalty away from beating Wyzetta. They were one... 
Oh, their la- their game against Edina went down to the last drive. They scored. They get the punt into the wind, score, and then they get a f- fumble. You know, so they they played every every game they've played, and then St. Michael went down on a last drive in the last few minutes to beat them, and then Prior Lake, you know, was un- was unable to. Uh, have a game-winning drive of their own, so they've played a lot of close games. They could easily be, yeah, they could be five and five and two, and they could also be two and two and four or two and five. You know, they're lucky. I think three and three and four is probably where they should be. I mean, Shock Peak could say the same thing. I mean, they played a lot of teams close. They could be. Yeah, they had Wyzetta on the ropes. They were first and goal in the last minute against Wyzetta. Could have punched it in to tie it up. They had two shots at the end zone against Prior Lake. Yeah. Had a chance against there. Botched a couple extra points. I still don't know what Prior Lake is. I'll go back to I don't know what they are. What are what what, what are you? They kind of want to run. They kind of pass. <laughs> I don't know what they are. I know they look at the sidelines a lot. <laughs> plays, but I don't know what they are offensively. I don't. I think they haven't found their identity yet. I think. Defensively, I think they're pretty good, even though Eden Prairie ran right over them. They only threw for seven yards. I mean, maybe it was just the They didn't have their starting quarterback against Eden Prairie Nate Rabbits, but it's not like Nate has been... Is he going to be back? He broke his hand against... But I don't know if it was his passing hand or not, but... I don't think not, he could play with a broken hand. I don't think, he's the, I don't think he's, the, he's the difference between them being three and four and five and three or whatever. I, he's a good player, but... I just don't know what they are offensively. They used to, you used to know what Gegenheimer was offensively. We're going to run. We're going to run. We're going to get around the edge. We're going to try to beat you with a big play. I don't know what they are the last two years. Well, last year we knew what they are with Esh. Shotgun, Chuck, and Duck. <laughs> you know, as what was not that Buddy Ryan's name for it? Yeah. And then that's gone. I don't know what they are. Yeah, they used to kind of run the south offense, right? Kind of misdirection and sweeps and... They used to like to pound it, run, pound it, run, try to hit you with a big play. They never barely, I mean, there's this thing of motion going here, jump this guy going over there, the two guys running across. I don't know what they are. I just don't know what they are on offense. I don't think they, I'm not sure they do either. It seems like they do a lot of movement just, and then just run the ball up the middle. <laughs> they do a lot of movement, and then they look to the sidelines, and then they run the ball up the middle. You know, I don't know. I don't think that movement's fooling anyone. I don't think looking to the sidelines. <laughs> of course, every team does that now. They all do it, except maybe Eden Prairie. They all look to the sideline. God, drives me nuts. It's even college football now, doesn't it? They all look. Seven guys hand signals. Well, did you run. see that in the NFL? Adrian Peterson called him out of the audible. So Adrian Peterson did? That's for, was that a running play to him? No, it was, I think, Keenum... Case Keenum called, switched out of a run play to a pass, and then you can see Peterson behind Keenum telling him to no, 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 no. give me the ball. Are we back on the Cousins bandwagon? No. No? Are we back on the uh, Gopher bandwagon? Are we on the Gopher bandwagon? Who they got this week? Rutgers. Oh, jeez. When are they, they going to play anybody? Two weeks. Three weeks. Three weeks. Handle Nebraska. Nebraska's not the same Nebraska. Tom Rathman ain't walking through that door. 
Turner Gill, Irving Fryer, Mike Rozier, they're not they're not around. Not even the Dominic and the Sioux or whatever how you say his name. They have no Michigan, no Ohio State, right? Good. And then they no get Penn State, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Iowa. Well they have it. Michigan State, right? No. No Michigan State either? Well, Rutgers and Maryland the next two weeks. And then Penn State, Iowa, Wisconsin. I wonder why they took them so long to get in the polls. Everybody looked at that schedule and laughs. If they're not five and three in the Big Ten, if they're not six and two in the Big Ten, there's something wrong with Flack. Well, they're three and zero oh right now. They should not. Lose. They should be five and zero. Oh. Should be five and zero, oh. oh and they should not lose. If they lose all three of those games in the regular season, then what they did previously means zero. Well, what would they would they be favored in? Any of them? No, probably not. Maybe well, Iowa. Well, they might Maybe. be ranked high. Maybe Iowa. Where is it, Iowa? Here or there? It's there, I believe. Where is it, Wisconsin? There? It's here. Where is Penn State? Here. So they get two of those at home? I just have a hard time getting jizzed up for the Gophers. Especially with that non-conference schedule and then that. To me, the bar is set so low for that program. I mean, you get you beat somebody, and everybody's win. Get to the Big Ten championship. Get to the Big Ten championship, and then lose to Ohio State by less than two touchdowns. <laughs> and I might be interested. In you. I'm not interested if you're just beating up on all the little sisters of the four. Not even beating up. They they're lucky. They they lucky they didn't lose a couple of those early games. But they have been more impressive in their last couple games than they were in their first couple non-conference games. It's Illinois and Nebraska. Now beat up Nebraska, right? What they just... They Nebraska. Unhealthy that they have their quarterback out? So did the Gophers. They did? I mean, they're starting quarter... The, the guy they thought was going to start hasn't played at all this year. Well, isn't the Nebraska's quarterback though hurt hurt though? What was his name? Martinez. JD had a tough game. Well, he was hurt last year. Fumbled the ball, fumbled the ball three times. Never lost them, recovered them all, but put the ball on the ground three times. Yeah. I am enjoying watching the uh, baseball because there's pitching and actual. It's not just. Well, when you switch out the balls, of course there's pitching. It's not standing around 3-2 count trying to get a three-run homer like the Twins that have no pitching. You, know, you watch those games, there's a lot of... I mean, it's no coincidence that it easily could be the Nationals and Houston and the two best pitching staffs in baseball. Yeah. Yep. Comes down to pitching. And then the the Yan- I mean, the Twins hit more home runs than the Yankees by one, but you watch the Yankees, they're sick. they're all just professional hitters. That Glaber Torres is phenomenal. But you could argue that yeah, it's a heck of a lot easier to hit home runs in Yankee Stadium than it is at Target Field. It is. Yeah, in the regular season. In the regular season. The Twins are yeah, the Twins problem is they're they're made they're built for the regular season. They're not built for Cardinals are always built for the playoffs. That's why they get there and they do some damage when they're in there, even though they just got swept. Twins are built for the, the long haul. They're not built for a short series. Oh, that's staff. 
probably have better luck going against Nick Hansen and Sam Carlson. Both for their uh, elbows. All right. 